This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code MENTORS4MIL the number four, M-I-L, at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. My guest today is AJ. Uh, AJ Powell is a retired United States Army non-commissioned officer who served in both the U.S. Navy and U.S. Army. He's a world-traveled American combat veteran with uh, professional military experience spanning the full spectrum of aviation operations to include general tactical combat, SAR, CSAR, PR, and medevac, BIP, DV operations, teaching, training, and instruction in special operations and special missions aviation operations. AJ is a fully qualified aircraft mechanic and technician, flight engineer, and pilot. He's a certified master scuba diver and advanced search and rescue technician, an industry certified compliance officer and technical inspector, and a qualified standardization instructor, evaluator, and trainer. During his professional career, AJ has been blessed with opportunities to work at the local joint and multinational levels of operations, working closely with the U.S. and Allied forces in conducting operations, training, development, and relations building. AJ is an author, published researcher, guest lecturer, and public speaker. And honestly, right now, I don't know what the hell this guy does in his free time. Uh, We're going to find that out. But he's a social and political advocate for the veterans community as a whole and enjoys opportunities to teach, coach, mentor, and guide others towards self-betterment and success. So welcome to the show, AJ. Hi, good morning. And uh, how are you? Good, man. I'm doing well. It's so interesting. As I started reading back over your bio and looking at it, it was like, you know, damn, what AJ, what do you do in your spare time if you get all these things going on? I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, well, it's pretty awesome, though. You know, I mean, obviously, um, you've tried to keep yourself quite busy. And uh, I'm assuming you're still doing the same with all the uh, COVID stuff going on and, and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I am. So, um, you know, I, I go to work like a, a full-time job, just like anybody else. Unfortunately, in my position, I'm emergency essential. So I don't, uh, I don't get to work from home, uh, like everyone else does. And then, um, when I get done from work, I usually, you know, exercise a couple hours uh, a day. And then, uh, from there I'll, I'll go to my second job, which is just, um, all, all of the, uh, stuff you kind of just talked about, uh, you know, and I'll do stuff till about uh, 10, 11 o'clock at night before I finally manage to get in bed, get up the next morning, do it again. Yeah. You know, we hit it off, I think, really talking about leadership. You know, we started, I think, one day and there was a number of days that we got back on track and we'd hit on something else. And I would make a comment about something and experience or make use a, a word um, in some ways. And you go, well, that's not actually, you know, the best way to describe it. Here's a different way. And I can remember at one point, I think we probably had um, 
I don't know, an hour or two hours worth of DMs going on on one occasion. And I don't remember exactly what that topic was, but I know one of the topics is near and dear to me that I enjoy talking about that I think you had an opinion on. And I thought, well, we'll kind of do the show around is the whole thing of toxic leadership. And for me, on a personal level, I've ran across leaders. And when I say toxic leadership, I'm talking about a culture that's created by leaders who already have this kind of persona or this way about managing people that they really drive the organization down because they, they try to do it through fear, through intimidation, pushing their, their rank or their position. And um, they, they usually don't build a lot of allies even within the company. Instead, what they end up doing is calling ca- uh, causing greater division between their peers um, and, and even for that matter, their subordinates, you know, and, and their peers. And so to me, that's kind of that toxic leader. So I'm kind of curious to know when you, when you hear the term toxic leadership, what comes to mind for you? Well, so when I hear the word toxic leadership, I kind of cringe. It's a buzzword that's been around for, I don't know, decade, two decades or so. Mm-hmm. I think I, first time I heard about it was, uh, in the early two thousands, but it's definitely a buzzword to me. There's no such thing as toxic leadership. It simply isn't real. It doesn't exist. And, and let me back up a little bit. If you think about it to you, what is, what is leadership? If you had to put a definition to it, or if you had to just describe it, uh, in the simplest way possible, what what is leadership to you? Yeah, it's the ability to influence others, you know, to accomplish a, a common goal while also kind of looking out for their welfare. So that's the definition that I've always used in a nutshell. If I needed to give that's it a, in, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, there's lots of great definitions out there. Uh, I I prefer I actually really like the army one because I feel it's a little encompassing, right? Influencing others by providing purpose, direction, and motivation in order to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. Yeah, close. Yeah. So the the thing is that almost every single definition of leadership that you've ever come across in life, uh, the things that come together to qualify as leadership are inherently positive. The things that a leader has to do in order to qualify as a leader must be positive for the people that they're influencing, uh, the organization that they're in charge of, uh, the, the mission that they're trying to accomplish. If they were negative, then it really doesn't qualify as leadership. Um, so when people have all those toxic behaviors, uh, the bad the bad behaviors that you're that you just mentioned, where they're not creating allies, they're they're creating increased stress. They're they're you know people are failing. Uh, these things are not a part of, of, of leadership. So therefore they're, they don't qualify as leadership. Uh, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. But what's so interesting about that, and I'm sure people who are listening to this are going to feel maybe some of the same way because we've, you know, ran into individuals that were promoted, um, or put into positions of authority that probably had, you know, honestly, they probably should have never been put in that type of situation, but yet they, they drive a behavior, maybe not through a positive influence, but through those negative influences that I was describing that still gets the job done. And in some senior leaders cases, they just want the mission accomplished. You know, how you go about doing it, as long as it's done in an effective way, you know, in effective meaning you accomplish your goal, 
uh, or the end all mission or the objectives that's out there, whether that, you know, be monetarily or, you know, through some kind of um, statistical value or something, you know, earnings per share, whatever that may be. If you're doing something that's causing positive to the organization as a whole, because you got your people motivated, you put your people um, in a way in which they were motivated to accomplish that, then they consider you a good leader. And I think by definition of what you just described, that's not a good leader, you know, the way they go no. about doing it. Yeah. It's, 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 well, it's not. So, I mean, leadership is an all encompassing uh, kind of definition, right? There's, there's a, there's a variety of things that you have to have. And, you know, when you, if you, when you go to college, for example, uh, and you take leadership courses or in, when you're in business and you go through business management courses, uh, you, they talk about KSAs and leadership. They talk about the different types of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about different uh, uh, personalities, different types of influence and stuff. Inevitably, you'll get to things that are anti or counterintuitive to leadership, conflict, interpersonal conflict, um, be bad behavioral patterns. In order for I mean, you to begin the process of leadership development, you really have to start with the process of developing yourself individually. And if you have all these horrible character traits about you, you're really not making the, uh, the, the effort to progress down a positive path. And therefore, you're not exactly developing yourself into being leadership material. And if you're not, uh, if you're not, um, influencing people in a positive way or capable of doing so like like say for example you know you're just talking about okay so they may be hammering people down and morale may be really low but they're highly motivated to get the job done maybe that's because they just want to get rid of the person that's doing that or maybe it's because uh they're sick and tired of of doing the job so they really just want to get it done so they can get out of there that doesn't mean that uh, the individual is is a good leader that they're capable of getting the mission accomplished. Really, the the mission getting accomplished is just the people trying to get away from that individual or yeah. trying to get keep get their job finished with them. Yeah. yeah, keep their job, trying to get finished with that 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 connection that they have right there in front of them. So, it all encompassing. Just because you can get the mission done, you know, just because uh, you're capable of of forcing people to do something quickly. Uh, doesn't mean that your particular style uh, is is effective. It doesn't mean that it qualifies as leadership. Yeah. So um, what about, you know, when we're talking about this and just kind of, you know, well, as you were talking, I was thinking of like manager versus leader. And in this case, maybe what I'm describing is an individual that's well suited to be a manager as opposed to being a leader, because a leader would be more of a visionary, a person who can see, um, strategically ways in which the organization or the people, the assets need to be able to accomplish those objectives, how to forecast the future, those types of things. Whereas a manager is more about the daily widget making. I would say that, um, that those, those are just different aspects kind of describing sort of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So there is a difference between a leader and a manager. Absolutely. Right. But I think the way that we assign those things is differently. Lots of people tend to look at management in a in a negative kind of context. And lots of people tend to look at leadership in a positive context. And then they pit the two together. I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's this there's this image where uh, it's probably floats around Google. Um, there's this image where you see a bunch of people uh, 
pulling a line and there's a guy behind a desk, right? And he's shouting orders at them or cracking a whip or something like that. It's silhouettes. Yeah. And, you know, it says that this is management. Then you see the same individual that was behind the desk now at the front of the rope, pulling the rope with everybody else saying, come on, guys, follow me. And they say, this is leadership. There's a very uh, toxic kind of psychology that's working to with that particular image, that mindset that people have where they seem to believe that management is evil and leadership is good. It's not. They're two sides of the same coin. Management is processes. All the things that you described, uh, knowing how to run an organization, understanding logistics, you know, moving people around, personnel issues, these things are management issues. Uh, the ability to influence people, of course, being leadership we talked about just a minute ago, they both work hand in hand in order to, you know, make the organization function and accomplish the mission and move people around. You need to be able to assign people tasks. You need to be able to provide them direction. You need to be able to define a direction for them to go. Right. Uh, these are management skills uh, that I mean, good leaders have. The difference, though, is that you can be a good leader all day long and you can be a terrible manager. Mm. Right? You may not necessarily have the skills to do that. These things are learned over time. Uh, but a significant amount of those things overlap. Right? Uh, you know, leaders, leadership and management go hand in hand. I will say that you cannot be a manager without people to manage, without an organization to manage. But you can be a leader all day long without anybody following that's you. A, that's a great point. Um, that, that's, a, that's a very valid point. And I think people get lost in that. They think sometimes you have to be a manager first in order to be a leader. And a leader can be an individual contributor. You know, what we call an individual contributor in the private mm -hmm. sector. In the military, you could be a private, E1, you know, um, in the, in say the army or, or the Marine Corps, you know, our private mm -hmm. and, and still influence because I, I love like John C. Maxwell. He's one of my favorite uh, authors out there who, who writes the book about 360 leadership and the ability to influence up, down and sideways. And, and I mm -hmm. think that's what you're talking about, but I, in listening to you as well, I think we also run into the same kind of challenge and definition with coach and mentor right? Because at times you may be a coach, other times you may be a mentor and you end up um, sometimes using some of the same um, traits or, you know, some of those same attributes and stuff as you move forward. A manager and a leader, it sounds like might be somewhat the same thing. You know, at times you may use management, sometimes may use leadership. They're somewhat different, but yet they are very, they have some of the same definitions uh, crossing. I, I agree with you. Um, I think that, uh, it's a separation between hard skills and soft skills. Mm. Uh, you know, as a coach, you're thinking about processes, uh, you're thinking about um, how to get teamwork to function properly. Whereas as a mentor, sometimes you don't need to really say anything to people. Just sometimes listen. people yeah. just need to talk and you just need to be there for them, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then understanding when it's appropriate to provide feedback and understanding how to uh, kind of guide that person. You're not pushing them. Uh, you're you're kind of guiding them towards a some a better place, if you will, when somebody's in that particular position where they want to just vent to you. So, sort of the same with uh, coach and mentor. You could say that there's a shared relationship that works the exact same way as leadership and uh, and management. You know, one's a process where the other one's an influence. The whole the whole leadership thing. Where people in the military said, so I, I, I want to back up just a second. Here. Yeah. The military has, you know, you, you talked about that with the Marine Corps and the private and everything, right? The military has a really bad habit of 
creating managers and then calling them leaders. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I noticed this when I was active duty, but I didn't quite I wasn't able to kind of uh, actually put my finger on what it was. But yes, they have a really bad habit. The military as a, as a system as a whole has really bad habit of creating managers and calling it leadership, of restricting you to a specific bubble and then telling you that you're a leader, of putting you in a lane and and then, you know, saying that you have to stay in this particular lane and then telling you that that is leadership. You know, the whole point. problems, f- problems roll downhill kind of thing. Yeah. You well, know? But they never refer to anybody as a manager, right? Because no, everybody they don't. Right. So if you're a corporal or a lance corporal, you know, in the Marine Corps or something or, you know, a corporal or a specialist in the Army, you're being groomed to be a leader, you know, you're, or you are a leader if you're a corporal. You know, if you're a sergeant. Right, what, yeah. But what they're not teaching you is is leadership leadership influence they're not teaching you the 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 process of relating to other people and finding out how to provide that motivation they're teaching you one aspect of the whole definition if you will is purpose but most people uh, don't even get that though until they go to the leadership course right so most of us even been, then you don't yes yeah, true so even then you don't the leadership yeah. courses are, are are i mean or at least when i went through them yeah um, a lot of them were based on, you know, this is how you do personnel actions and paperwork and stuff. Right, right. So that's, that's still the management side of the house. Leadership as 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 a um, as a as a process in itself isn't restricted to a vertical chain of command. Leadership works horizontally across an organization at all levels. So there's no restrictions to influence for leadership. You're like you were saying earlier. A private should be able to provide influence for everybody that's that's laterally across to them and above them, right? An E five an E five sergeant, a buck sergeant, should be able to influence not only just the people that they lead as a squad leader below them, but the but his fellow E five sergeants and the people that are above him, his staff sergeant, you know, and his sergeant first class or gunny sergeant, you know, that 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 influence as a leader is is you know this bubble that it should be around you. It shouldn't just be this ladder that works up and or works only in the downward direction. You know, people providing that purpose and direction downward. Yeah. Uh, that's ma- that's the management process. The management structure or the framework of the military is that vertical chain of command, that lane that everybody tells you to stay in. But leadership should be able to influence people in all directions. Uh, there shouldn't be any restrictions to influence. And this is why I say that, unfortunately, the military has this bad habit of training people to be managers and then calling them leaders, yeah. of putting you in a management position and then telling you that you're a leader. Yeah. If you find if you find that when you have a great idea and you find there's pushback and there's resistance to your ability to influence other people, especially at your own level or above you, I got news for you. You're not in a leadership position. You're a manager. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Um, I think, you know, as leaders sometimes what we look for is junior leaders right because we're looking for those people who are influencing without maybe even realizing it but when you give a task or you give an assignment everybody kind of looks to that person to see how they're going to respond you know if you're making a comment everybody's kind of looking over at joey and wondering okay is joey going to say something here you know is joey going to speak up because joey's a leader right And, and so we end up trying to find those individuals so that we can hopefully mentor and coach them but to that point of what we were talking about earlier, sometimes people don't even realize that they have that power of influence and because they don't have the rank that goes or the position or authority that goes with it. There shouldn't be, though. There, there, there's this connection. There's this artificial connection that we associate rank with, with an authority with 
the ability to influence and leadership. Um, and there shouldn't be. I, I would argue that there shouldn't be at all. Management, yes, absolutely. You know, there are people that are placed in positions of authority over you, uh, and there always will be in life. You should just accept that. But for leadership, the, you know, you, like I said, all right, hmm, how do I word this? Back when I said that you can't be a manager without people to lead, without people to manage, and without an organization to control, but you can be a leader all day long with no one around, right? Leadership is capable of occurring without another person in a hundred miles to see it. The very act of you waking up in the morning and looking in the mirror and taking a cold hard look and finding one thing to improve on yourself every day is an act of leadership, right? You're providing an influence for yourself and you're finding uh, a way to improve you if you were the organization and you're giving yourself a purpose. You're saying, I'm going to find something to improve. Uh, you're creating some motivation because now you can see the purpose, right? And, and, a, and you're giving yourself a direction to follow. So you, you met the definition of leadership. No one has to be around to see that. So therefore, individuals at any level can be capable of influence in an organization, regardless of what their rank is. Uh, given a particular situation, you may have that 17-year-old that may have experienced something when they were, you know, in high school that's now just now joining uh, the Air Force or the Army or whatever, and is carrying that experience around with them. And when the situation presents itself that they have some knowledge on it, and maybe other people don't, there should be zero reason why they shouldn't feel free to open their mouth and say, hey, I know a little bit about something like this. Uh, perhaps maybe we could do something uh, a different way, or perhaps have you tried this way? It may not be what everyone else is thinking, but the ability to speak up and voice your opinion uh, should be welcomed and and heard by the entire group and taken in for the weight of it, weight of the words that you know that 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 it holds or the weight that it holds versus the weight of the symbol on your chest, whatever rank you're holding, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, there was a couple of um, famous uh, psychologists, McKentry and Sellis, that talked uh, that they, they 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 did a lot of extensive study on this kind of thing uh, in the 1990s. McKentry and Sellis did um, uh, group studies on on U.S. Navy tactical teams, and they discovered that there's five key character traits uh, for effective leadership that create highly effective teams. Um, and this was one of them: the ability to to speak up and speak your mind in a team environment and not feel like you're being uh, restricted to a specific position based on rank, you know, that you in, instead that you feel free to be able to speak up is one of those particular uh, things that they noted was uh, a hallmark of, of highly effective teams. So if you if you do have, a you know, like, say, for example, you're a specialist and you're in a room full of captains and sergeant majors and you're afraid to open your mouth just because you're a specialist, that, there's something wrong with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that's not leadership in that particular point. You're not there to be a leader. The, I guess there would be an exception if you happen to be working for a boss who basically says you're not paid to think, you're paid to do, you know, type of thing. You, then your boss is definitely not a leader at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I agree with you 100%. And, and I think that's uh, where the challenge is because I think people – for the most part, who are coming up, and we're speaking, you know, now about the lower enlisted personnel, but this could also be very junior officers who may have only received ROTC or OCS or academy types of training to prepare them to be in a 
leadership role as an officer and you know yet they lack some of these these um you know characteristics or you know the experience and everything that goes along with it that's why in a lot of cases you lean on if you're an officer you lean on a more seasoned enlisted you know person who has that experience and hopefully also is a very good effective leader to learn what it is to be a leader but you know i i think people who are listening to this what you're really saying is is that you know, it starts with you, you know, do a check when you get yourself up in the morning and decide, you know, what type of person am I going to be? How am I going to contribute and add value to the organization on a daily basis? How am I going to help make improvements either to myself and my current position and what I'm doing or help my fellow man, woman next to me in achieving the common goal and thing that we're trying to accomplish here, you know, and not always try to, um, put yourself out there in such a way where it's got to be me, 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 because then that's not going to be effective either. No, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. So I, I, all things, all things st- start with you. All things start with yourself, right? Um, the whole idea of working yourself up to becoming the epitome of what leadership is begins at the, at, at, with you, you know, at the start of the day, when you wake up and you accept personal responsibility and accountability for your own life, and say, you know, the world's not at fault for my particular position. I am. And what can I do about it? Uh, finding things every day to improve upon, uh, deciding how you are going to engage with your teammates. Uh, if you find, you know, something that you're falling short in, reaching out for advice, reaching out for that mentorship, looking for growth opportunities, all of those things is the foundation for your ability to become a good leader, an effective leader. And when I say good, really what I mean is effective because all leadership is inherently good. The act of leadership in itself is something positive, which is why I don't like this toxic leadership term, uh, because if it's if it's not, then it doesn't qualify as leadership. The junior officer thing is a great example of how that should work. Uh, I think the academies, I think the service academies, you get four years to mold somebody. I think that they do a pretty good job, but yeah. uh, maybe OCSs and ROTCs. Um, would be a better example to use. You get a junior officer that comes in to any branch of the service, and you're right. The way the system is designed currently, or at least the way it was um, for a long time before I joined and then when I joined, uh, was that you do have senior non-commissioned officers and petty officers, uh, chief petty officers, and it's really their job to be that mentor, to be that coach, to be that guide. Uh, inherently that's what non-commissioned officers and petty officers do. Uh, you know, you have five things that you're supposed to do really, really well. You're supposed to teach coach, mentor, guide, and lead. And each one of those things are kind of different, right? If you do them right, then you take care of your two basic responsibilities, which is the accomplishment of the mission and the welfare of the people that serve under you. Uh, you find that entire, uh, line of that entire train of thinking in the NCO creed for the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so, yeah, you get this junior officer that comes in and they're still trying to learn. That would be a great attitude. A great attitude is, hey, I'm just entering this organization for the first time. I really don't know much about it. I got some schooling behind me, but now I need to actually learn how to do the job. So the senior NCO, the senior enlisted person, it's their job to teach, coach, mentor, and guide uh, that individual to help grow them into the future leader that everybody would respect and follow and want them to be. And if they don't have the right attitude, it's never going to really happen. Unfortunately, you do get a bunch of people. Um, historically, you see this 
that manage that that come in and they have a completely different attitude and then they get promoted eventually into those higher ranks of authority and you suddenly discover that they're really not the leader that you thought they would be or that they're they're really not cut out for the type of organization it is the unfortunate reality that some people do slip through the cracks and we don't like it when it happens uh it makes everybody else's life a living hell yeah uh, <laughs> it really does um so you you can either try and look at that and say okay well i want to learn how to be a good leader by not being that individual or you can look at that and say well how you know how am i supposed to do this right and turn to a person you know is an effective leader and ask for that mentorship and that guidance but but at the end of the day it's still starting with you accepting that accountability that personal responsibility and saying i have room for growth and if you're doing that, then you're cultivating leadership within yourself. You're beginning that's the the growth process. And that's that's how it all starts. There's no such thing as a born leader. leader leaders just aren't born. They're made. They're made through life experiences and, and good quality mentorship and guidance. Hmm. So an individual comes into a situation where they find a toxic environment and a person as a leader that's creating a very negative culture, uh, which means that they're not a leader to your definition, that, you know, they're just in that position of authority. Um, what can they do? I mean, back in the day, you know, when I was a young enlisted guy, the thing I would always look at is, well, there's usually three options. You know, you either wait for them to PCS, I PCS, or we find a way to get rid of this person, you know, and help them retire or, or get out sooner. Uh, because those, those are, you're not usually left with very many options here. No, you're right. You, you, you usually aren't, but I would say that there's a fourth option there and it's probably the more difficult path. And that is to try and control, uh, the influence within your own little realm that you have control over the rest of the world may be falling apart around you. Right. But if you look at it and say, okay, let's just, let's do the best we can with what we have. And try your your absolute best to take care of the people that are underneath you and beside you and around you. Uh, I guarantee you that your influence as a leader will shine through. Mm -hmm. And it may not have a larger climate uh, change. It may not have a, a change in the uh, in the in the organization, but the lives of the people that are around you during that particular storm in their life, that particular event in their life will be greatly impacted and affected. And I guarantee you that they're going to carry with that with them uh, much later on. The problem in those particular situations is you get a lot of first time guys, a lot of new guys, and they have their entire mental image of the organization ruined by that initial experience that setting that's setting the pace for their entire career. Mm -hmm. You have a choice whether you're in a senior position or not, how you choose to, to, to react to that and what you choose to do from that point on, right? You know, there's a, there's a saying that life is 10% um, uh, what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. This is a great example of, of that particular saying in action. You may have a horrible uh, commander for an organization, very toxic individual. The overall climate for the organization is is terrible. Do you wait for them to PCS? Well, that's probably not going to improve your lot in life at that until that happens. What if they just got there? You know, what if it's uh, right. you got two years for that to happen? You're uh, let's say you're not up for retirement, 
and your PCS is 18 months away. Are you going to live through hell for 18 months? Are you going to allow the people that are serving underneath you to live through hell for 18 months? That's another question because you have a burden of responsibility to those individuals. You're just going to say, well, this sucks, you know, and then just hang your head low for 18 months. I wouldn't say at that point now you're acting like a leader. Yep. I would say it's your job. You have an inherent responsibility to do the best that you absolutely can, not just for you, but for those people around you in all directions. And, and they will see that. I guarantee you they'll see that. And whether that individual leaves or not, or, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they'll carry that with them for the rest of their career and having an impact on an individual. That's an influence that we're, that, you know, that we're talking about in the definition of leadership. It's going to improve the overall climate to some degree to allow for improvement of the organization, welfare of the soldiers and accomplishment of the mission. That's what's most important. So I would say that fourth option is probably there. Uh, and it would be best for people to take advantage of it. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree uh, more there as well, because I think that, you know, too often individuals don't think that they have the ability to be a buffer, to be that individual that helps calm the storm and not the one that throws out all the time, you know, Hey hey guys, this sucks and everything else, you know, although I have heard a leader say things like, yeah, it sucks and everything else, but we've got to do it. And here's why, and, and really rally the troops. And Mike Pritz one time, who's on this show um, as a co-host one time described a, a story that was very similar to that. But the end of that story, when he was rallying the troops and bringing them together, I mean, I, even him sharing this story, I felt motivated. I felt like, yeah, man, if I'd have been there, I'd have been like, hell yeah, let's go pick up that trash. You know, that's what it was all about, you know? And and, and that's again, comes down to that individual who just knows what it takes. um, That doesn't try to constantly um, bring the rest of the organization down that tries to be the buffer takes a little bit of that weight on their individual shoulders. And um, I had that very type of individual, my uh, beginning of my military career, and actually, he was the first mentor and first NCO I really ran into that made such a major impact. And it was a very toxic environment, um, a lot of bad NCOs, and helped buffer a lot of uh, what was going on. And took me kind of underneath his wing when he kind of saw that, you know, hey, I'm trying, I'm struggling. I'm a new guy. I'm a young private. I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. And And he was the type of person that helped me channel my thoughts towards the things I can control and not the things I can't control. Focus on those good things. And as I became an NCO, it's the same thing I applied. Hey guys, let's focus on the things that we can control. This is what we can do. We can do a bang up job with this. You know, we're being asked to do these things or told to do these things. We're going to do it. We're going to do it to the best of our ability. We're going to do a great job, you know, and we're going to have fun doing it. So the idea of being a buffer um, is what I used to call it to a lot of my subordinates is such an important role in leadership. It, it is. Um, I, I like to reflect back on also, uh, you know, you're just saying the beginning of the story was, hey, guys, this sucks, but but here's what we can do. And this is why uh, I think that sharing in misery is kind of something that you find uniquely in some organizations. Uh, the military being one, I think that other like first responder organizations and stuff, it kind of works in two as well. Maybe not so much a lot of the civilian uh, private sector companies, but um, sharing in misery, embracing the suck together, acknowledging that it is what it is. There's nothing we can do to change that particular aspect. But here's what we can do to change the situation. 
you know, and, and, and giving the direction and finding a way to accomplish the mission regardless. Right. That's something that is, uh, uh, I think very, uh, important. Uh, it, shows you that it you're allows, human, right? Well, it does. Yeah. But what I want to say is that it kind of builds like this personal bond, this connection that we're all in this together. We're all one team, you know, there shouldn't be this disconnect between, uh, a leader or, you know, the manager, uh, the person in the leadership position and the rest of the team, they shouldn't be apart above or separate from the rest of the team and having everybody kind of in the same boat and acknowledging the fact that, Hey, we're all in this together is very important for morale. It's, it's, it, it, it provides that insight for the subordinates, for, for the individuals that are allowing the, the, you know, the following to, to happen it's really what they are, right? They may be in that position. They may have no choice, but they they're choosing to follow you because you're exhibiting leadership characteristics, you know, that uh, that are that are helping them uh, helping influence them. So I think that's a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing to say, hey, you know, this sucks for all of us. And, and that that initial statement is not always a good thing. But in a right situation, uh, it provides that connection, um, that that rapport uh, and, and it can it can really bring bring a team together in a really solid way. I, I don't know how to describe it exactly off the top of my head, but I, I mean, it's just like I said, it's just there's, there's a connection to it. Yeah. Um, the second the second thing was um, early on when we were talking about um, toxic climates. You, you know, you may be able to uh, influence and you may be able to affect the people that you have around you but you're not going to change the climate, especially in the military. Uh, civilian organizations, there is a study that was put out, I don't know how many years ago, that showed that uh, climate change in organizations typically take uh, typically take about 12 to 15 years mm -hmm. to occur. Yeah, so you're looking at over, yeah, you're looking at over a decade to change a climate. So if you're in a particular organization for that period of time, you may have a shot at doing it. But in an organization like the military, where everybody moves every two to three years, good luck. It's never going to happen. Whatever, I mean, that, that particular climate could change within a year, absolutely, if everybody left and a whole bunch of new people showed up. But then you have a lot of other contributing factors like the, the higher level commands or uh, the rotation being staggered so that you have older people that are carried, that are staying there for uh, a period of over time where there's overlap. So changing climate in the military shouldn't really be your focus. You should be able to you should be focused more uh, locally on what you are capable of influencing and you are capable of affecting. If you allow all the other things to to bother you constantly, you're never really going to get anything done. You know, you got the, the toxic uh, commander and the terrible command climate. Um, and if you're focused on that, then then everybody's going to end up suffering. Uh, you know, a diatribe is no friend to an organization. So complaining about it isn't really going to help anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but instead, if you're if you're able to look, you know, reach back and say, you know what, guys, this sucks, uh, but we're going to get through it. And and this is how or if anybody has any great ideas on this particular thing. Right. That, that kind of stuff. Acknowledging that we're all in the same boat, that we're all, you know, suffering together is it can be very powerful, very motivating. Um, and like I said, it builds that connection that you really need in order to be able to influence uh, other people. Yeah.
Great points. And I've seen also the opposite where it seems like the person that's in that role of responsibility who should come out and say something like that or just rally the troops instead starts, you know, bitching, moaning, complaining themselves and usually causing the subordinates to hate the chain of command, to disrespect them, to not feel like they understand them and those types of things. And it's caused by that one individual um, who has created and influenced in some way a negative culture. And, and to your point, at times it's really hard, depending upon how far up that goes, to weed that out of an organization. And I've come in now after the military into the private sector as a consultant and seeing, you know, cultures that are very challenged. And it's a it's a tough thing to try to change because to your point, there's varying degrees of experience and people within that organization that you're trying to influence and change as opposed to just removing the top leader. It's, you can't just insert the top person and make a change that quickly. No, it won't. It just won't happen. Um, there needs to be a, a, a sociological acceptance of the individual uh, in that leadership position before change can even begin to, to occur, right? Uh, just because you remove the top individual and you put somebody else in their place, if there's already this attitude of toxicity that exists within the organization, you still need this period of time for the individual and the new leader, the new individual in the leadership position to prove themselves in some way before the uh, before the people throughout the organization will accept them. Uh, and, and, and that's that needs to happen before any meaningful change will occur, not just a token change. A token change can be instant, right? It's the thing that people will do just to get out of the difficult conversations, uh, to get out of the hard questioning line of questioning, right? Uh, it's the the shake your hand, thank you for your service thing. If you really didn't care, but that's the easiest way to show that you care without caring, kind of deal, right? Right, right. So they'll find ways. People will find ways to show. Um, uh, some sort of token support for a change without actually meaningfully changing. Meaningful change and meaningful support has to come from within. And that doesn't happen until there's a, this acceptance of that person as a leader within an organization. And typically that requires some sort of proof that they're capable of doing the job and, and having that respect and building that rapport with, with other individuals. Um, a lot of times we like to look for one person uh, you know, like you're just saying the top leader, we like to look for one person to place blame on. And and that's that kind of goes back to the whole toxicity environment. If you're looking at pointing the fingers at other people for the shortfalls that are occurring throughout your life, I got bad news for you. You're not really growing and you're not moving in a good direction uh, personally. Uh, so uh, back to the whole diatribe is no friend to an organization kind of thing. Uh, you should be focused on your own improvement. If you do that, focus on your own improvement a little bit every day, you're going to be making positive strides. You're going to be making strides in the right direction towards your own leadership development. And then when you do come across a particular set situation like that, you'll be better equipped to handle it. You'll be better equipped uh, to help lead and guide others, even if it's just through the influence of your own actions, even if it's just you doing the right thing when no one is watching. And I guarantee you somebody's always watching. And then they see that and then they say, okay, wow, this guy's doing the things we need to be doing. And then they do it. Right then and there, you provided an indirect influence to someone else and you didn't even know it. You were acting as a leader and you begin that cultural change. 
Oh, that's that's powerful stuff right there. I mean, like, again, it goes back to it's you. It all starts with you. Everything does. Everything starts with you as an individual. If if um, if you think you got it all figured out, I'll tell you right now, there are well, there's a couple, there's a handful of World War Two vets still alive that still don't have it all figured out. Uh, the unfortunate reality is no one in life has life all figured out. There's a lot of people that pretend that they do. But uh, when you really pressure them, when you really start to try and crush them and make diamonds out of them, you really will discover all the flaws that are inside. So, yeah, when you first thing in the morning, wake up, take a cold, hard, honest look in the mirror and say and find one thing uh, every day that you can improve upon, that you can work on or continue to work on and do it over a long period of time, you'll notice that there's a real positive change that's occurring and other people will see it and other people will be influenced by it. And right then and there, you just started down the path of real leadership. Tell us about your book, AJ. Um, I know that you wrote a book and some people after listening to this episode might be looking to learn more information about you and, and some of the stuff that we talked about here. So can you give us a little bit of a background there? Sure. So I, I wrote a book called Tactical Pause uh, for Daily Growing Leaders. And um, I mean, we're all familiar with the term tactical pause, right? Right, right in the middle of an operation, you just take a quick second to second guess yourself. Make sure you're making the right decision, you know, testing your judgments, uh, picking a course of action and moving on. Uh, so that's that's what this is. It's a 90 day mentorship guide. Um, and every single day of the book is is a chapter and they're meant they're designed to be read one day at a time. They each one uh, builds on principles from the day before. And the idea is that you read one chapter in the morning and it uh, covers a particular topic or a particular subject and it allows you to just think about it critically and evaluate it and find out if it applies to your life. And if it does, you accept it. If it, if it improves something, it improves you know, uh, upon that particular subject. And then over the long course of time, you should notice a significant improvement or a change in your life, uh, a positive one. Uh, so that's the purpose, the design behind the book is to help people grow themselves uh, develop themselves as leaders from with starting from within and ultimately attain a measure of success in their lives. Uh, we can't be successful uh, in life unless we're uh, working toward uh, bettering ourselves. Uh, so that's really kind of the whole, if you will, the underlying message is, hey, you know, start with yourself and, and, and improve yourself and build yourself. And, and eventually what you're going to find is that you are more successful. You are leading other people. So it's available both in paperback and audio? Uh, so it's not an audio yet. I have a kind of like this uh, top secret um, project for the audio version of it. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll give you a hint, requires 90 different voices to make happen. But uh, it's available in paperback and it's available in on Kindle. Uh, an e-reader version. Both of them are on Amazon. It's actually on every single uh, mar uh, book market online. So, you know, Books a Million, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, but Amazon is the uh, the primary place. So it's available there. It's $12.99. It's not really expensive at all. And uh, it's been out since, uh, since 2019, since last year. And so far, I've gotten quite really, really good uh, feedback on it. And I'm using that feedback to uh, draft a second book that'll be complimentary to go with it. 
And you talked earlier about the traits that obviously special forces operators, NASA astronauts and deep sea divers and all those types of things have in common. And that's within the book. So if you want to learn a little bit more about that, I encourage people to go out and pick up AJ Powell's book, Tactical Pause for Daily Growing Leaders. And again, like you said, it's out there. You can go to Amazon and you can get it Kindle or the paperback. AJ, I know we'll probably have you back on again at some point to talk about other chapters or things within the book. This was uh, near and dear to me because having worked in a few toxic environments, both within the military and then, of course, in the private sector. And for those individuals who think that you're going to leave the military and escape it, you know, I think AJ kind of mentioned it follows you wherever. It's more about starting with you and figuring out what maybe you know, you've learned and gained from those experiences and what you can do to control those things within your own life and not worrying about those other aspects. It took me a long time, by the way, to figure out those things. So maybe I should have bought your book a long time ago, uh, but <laughs> those events uh, likely occurred well before the writing of the book. It's a pleasure having you on the show, AJ. I really do appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences. It's a pleasure as well to be here. And thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry. I was just laughing because I went through the same thing. And that's exactly <laughs> why I wrote the book. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's usually what I, ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went through a really hard time leaving the military um, and a uh, couple of years, in fact. And then I, I had to do that thing where I had to rebuild my life. I, and I had to be honest with myself. And that's why, yeah, that's, that's the result of writing the book for it. But yeah, I'm sorry for laughing at you. Cause I was just, when you were talking about that, I was like, oh man, I went through the exact same thing. <laughs> well, and, and I think a lot of people out there listening, um, don't realize that they may as well, you know, once they make a transition, but they're going to, they're going to realize that some of the same things that they experienced within the military, good and bad are very, um, relatable within the private sector. And I think that's why we have, you know, people who are civilians who listen to this show as well and say, I can relate to a lot of the stuff you guys are talking about. So again, AJ, thanks for coming on, man. We'll pick a different topic in the future and have you back on. All right. Thank you. Have a great day.